Today's podcast message is entitled, His Accomplishing Death. It was given by Kevin Connor at a Good Friday service at Waverley Christian Fellowship back in April 1990. We're going to share a few moments in the Word before we uh, have our time of communion. So I'd like you to turn your Bibles this morning. to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. And just before we read, let's, uh, let's just bow in a word of prayer as we remember our Lord today over this period of time, which is uh, biblically called the Feast of Passover. Father, we just uh, are glad for the privilege of coming into your presence this morning and just worshipping you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ our crucified, buried, yet risen Lord. And Father, we thank Thee that while the world just sees these things as just holidays, today they are holy days in which we can worship You and magnify You, Lord. And we do not follow the traditions of men, but we follow Your Word. And so we pray, Father, as we just share for a few moments in Your Word that You'll quicken us and may the Holy Spirit within us just quicken our spirits to a greater appreciation of the death and burial and resurrection of our risen Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his own precious name, and everybody said amen. Amen. All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 9. I'd like to read a few verses here and just take a few moments in in the Word. And we'll pick up in verse 28 through to 36. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through to 36. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. And I always uh, am a little bit amused at the next part, not knowing what he said. How many know that's characteristic of Peter? Just always putting his foot into his mouth, both feet at once, you know and just saying the wrong thing at the wrong moment. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told man in those days any of those things which they had seen. pray that the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. I want to share just a few thoughts with you from... uh, Verse 30 and 31. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, Elias as it's uh, written in the New Testament, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. I want to talk just a few moments uh, on those verses. The Amplified says that these two men, Moses and Elias, were speaking of his exit from life, which he was about to bring to realization at Jerusalem. Let me just take a couple of moments here as we look in the uh, previous uh, verses and the corresponding gospel, the synoptic gospels, we find that Jesus had come to Caesarea Philippi 
And he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And uh, various opinions of the Lord Jesus Christ was that some said he was John the Baptist risen from the dead. Some said he was Elijah that had come back to complete his ministry because Elijah had been translated to heaven and never seemed to complete his ministry. Others said that he was Jeremiah because uh, Jeremiah disappeared from the land and never seemed to fulfill his ministry of building and planting. And so uh, there was just all these different opinions. Some said, well, he was just maybe one of the prophets come back. Uh, but Jesus turned around and asked them a very personal question. All right, this is what everybody else is saying about me, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, uh, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto, me, unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. How many are glad to say this morning that you can say, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Why don't we uh, just affirm that this morning? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe it this morning. Amen. Then uh, immediately after he said that to Peter, he said, Upon this rock, thou art Peter, you've made a confession of who I am. I'm going to make a confession of who, who you are also. You are Peter, you are a little rock, little stone, but upon this rock, referring to himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And immediately after he said that he would build his church, he began to tell specifically for about the first time uh, his coming crucifixion, his coming death, burial and resurrection, that he would be betrayed and he would be delivered into the hands of the scribes and the priests and the elders and he would be crucified, but the third day he would be raised from the dead. And of course the disciples, they don't understand this. They were afraid to ask him about this. They didn't know what, what it all meant. Then he turned around and after saying he was going to build his church, and telling how the church would come to birth through his cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection, turns round to the multitude of the disciples and said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross. I'm going to go to my cross and bring the church to birth through my death, burial, and resurrection. But if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And then... Uh, as he finished that remark, he said, turning to his immediate disciples, he said, there's some of you who will not taste of death until you see the kingdom of God come with glory and come with power. And so immediately, one gospel says after six days, the other says after about eight days, Jesus goes up into the Mount of Transfiguration and he was transfigured before them. And the language of the various gospels as you compare them is really beautiful. As he prayed... Uh, if you've got your Bible open to Luke 9 again, just, just open it again, just if, in case you've closed your Bible there. So uh, verse 28, so about eight days, the other Gospels say six days, but about eight, eight days after these sayings, what sayings? Building his church, going to the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and uh, then uh, to be his disciple, you have to take up your own cross. After these sayings, he goes up into the mount with Peter, James, and John, and he went up into the mountain to pray. So in this whole attitude of prayer, you'll notice in verse 29, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, uh, was changed. And the whole thought there is the same, the same Greek word that we have, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, transfigured. He was transfigured, he was transformed before them uh, in prayer. And I believe that as 
We seek the Lord in prayer. We are transfigured. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? And so as Jesus was praying, he was transfigured, but in such a way transformed that, uh, that the, his countenance began to shine as the sun. And his, white, his, 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 his raiment became white as light so that uh, it says no fuller, no launderer of earth could white them. It was so white and glistening. Uh, and, uh, and the other gospel says it was above the dazzling of the sun, the brilliance, uh, the Amplified puts it this way, that his robe became white and glistening, dazzling white flashing with the brilliance of lightning. His clothes were as white as light, white as snow, that no fool on earth could whiten them. And now here's the thing I want to draw your attention to. Imagine the scene that we've got here. Here is Jesus who's going to build the church and he has with him three apostles, Peter, James and John, who are going to be foundation members, foundation apostles of the church. And then all of a sudden in this blaze, his, his face is shining with the glory of the sun. His whole body and his raiment is just transparent light, just white and glistening and flashing light, dazzling light. All of a sudden, uh, there's something about on this mountain. He touches the glory world in this time of prayer. And out of the glory world come two men that have been in heaven for hundreds of years, Moses and Elijah. And then there's a cloud that overshadows them. And as I understand my study of the scriptures, not just some cloud floating around over the mountain, as many mountains have a cloud. This is the Shekinah glory cloud, that very cloud that overshadowed the tabernacle many years ago, that very glory cloud that overshadowed the temple of Solomon because there came a voice out of the cloud, just as that voice spoke out of the tabernacle and out of the temple years ago, out of the cloud that was upon the bloodstained mercy seat, Here's that same voice because Jesus is the tabernacle. He's the temple. And the glory cloud overshadows him who is going to become the bloodstained mercy seat. And out of that cloud comes the Father's voice, this is my beloved son, hear him. Can we say amen this morning? Hear him. Now, the interesting thing here, and uh, of course a lot is left to our own understanding and uh, understanding of the scriptures, uh, the, as these two men... Uh, Moses and Elijah appear, they began to talk with Jesus. Peter, James and John, of course, like lots of us, they were tired and they went asleep. And, and, and we're told in one gospel, Jesus had to wake them up and when they were awake, they saw his glory. It's possible to go to sleep and miss the glory. And yet Jesus right there. So he woke them, but, but they saw enough there. So here, here we have seven persons all together. We have... God the Father, and we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, and then we have Moses and Elijah, two witnesses. We're going to look at them a moment. And then we have Peter, James, and John, three new covenant people they're going to be. So we have old covenant, new covenant, the Father's voice, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the tabernacle, the temple, the, the bloodstained mercy seat is to be, and, and the cloud of the Father's voice speaking. Now, have you ever asked yourself, as you look at these uh, scriptures here, why is it that Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration? Let's turn over to a very interesting scripture in Malachi chapter 4. The last few verses of the last Old Testament prophet before Israel entered the 400 silent years, the last two men mentioned in the Old Testament are Moses and Elijah. And here these two men, Moses and Elijah, turn up on the Mount of Transfiguration 
And they're going to be talking to Jesus. What are they going to be talking to Jesus about? Okay, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4. And I've circled my Bible as always words that uh, strike me. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant. Everybody say that with me. The law of Moses my servant. So Moses represents the law. So here Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration representing the law. So remember ye the law of Moses my servant which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. So the law of Moses. But now notice in verse 5 we have another man mentioned by name and his distinctive ministry. So verse 5 he says, Behold I will send you Elijah the prophet. Everybody say Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet. So here we have the key, the last two men mentioned in the Old Testament, these two men having been in the glory world now suddenly turn up on the Mount of Transfiguration in this blazing miniature demonstration of the kingdom of God come with power and glory. So he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and the terrible, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers and how many know we could do with a little bit of Elijah ministry today with the breakdown of the families? Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. All right, those two clauses. The law of Moses, my servant, and I will send you Elijah the prophet. So Moses the representing the law and Elijah the prophet. Now, as I said, we only have a few moments this morning to draw our attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. But as you go back to the Old Testament, you find there's just a distinct link between Moses and Elijah. Both of them received divine revelations on Mount Horb amidst fire. Both of these men fasted 40 days and 40 nights before the Lord. Both of them erected uh, uh, an altar in the midst of a period of idolatry in which fire came down from heaven and burnt the sacrifice. Both of them were sent to wicked kings, Moses to Pharaoh and Elijah to Ahab. Both of them used the sword against those who uh, fell into idolatry. Both were used in miraculous ministry to divide the waters. Moses opened the Red Sea and Elijah opened the River Jordan. Both were translated to heaven. Uh, Moses died and was resurrected and translated to heaven. Elijah went to heaven without dying. So we have great significance here. Both of them saw the fire of God consume their enemies uh, when, they, when they were in a state of rebellion. And here both of them appear on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I believe we see them later on in the book of Revelation as the two olive trees. So uh, can you imagine, and I said we have to go to a little bit of sanctified imagination here, but can you imagine uh, when Elijah got to heaven and he met Moses? and said, hi Moses, well, however you'd say it in Hebrew, whatever, how you doing? You've been up here for a while, nice up in the glory world. I'm a few years late getting up here, but at least you died and were resurrected and went to heaven, but I got up there by a little rapture. And it wasn't a secret one because people saw me go. In fact, all the groups of 50s, which is the number of Pentecost, the Pentecostals, no, pardon me, uh, saw me go. I better watch it, hadn't I? <laughs> So here's Moses and Elijah up in heaven and whatever they've been doing there for hundreds of years, Moses the law and Elijah the prophet. And now there comes the time when the Lord Jesus Christ is about to experience and become the real Passover. 
And though, as we've said on previous occasions, Easter means Ishtar and worship of the Queen of Heaven and should never have been translated that way. It's really Passover. So we are remembering the Passover, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ over these three days and three nights. Everybody said Amen. And so I'm out for capitalizing on everything we can do to remember our Lord and glorify Him. To the world, it's just a holiday and as meaningless as Christmas is. But to us, it's not a holiday, though I'm enjoying having a day off. Uh, it's a holy day. So it's difference. I wonder what the world would do if suddenly we said, no more holy days, because the world doesn't want Jesus, but they like his holidays. They want his holidays, but they don't want his holy days. Amazing, isn't it? Try and cut it out and you'd have all the unions on you. All right, we better get back to the Bible. You're looking at me. So suddenly, here it comes in the Father's time when Jesus is going to become the true Passover. And so the Father calls Moses and Elijah out of all the angels up there. Whatever they've been doing, he says to Moses and Elijah, Jesus is walking up the mountain and it's going to be the mountain of transfiguration. He's going to be praying. He's going to be praying to me because his ministry is about to come to an end. The scribes and the Pharisees and the rulers have gathered together and they've taken counsel to crucify him. Judas is about to betray him. And so he's going up the Mount Transfiguration here and he's taking with him three new, uh, three, three new covenant apostles, Peter, James and John. So Moses and Elijah... Moses, you represent the law, and Elijah, you, you represent the prophets. I want you to go down to the mount, and I want you to strengthen Jesus in his humanity. I want you to tell him what he's to do. You knew about it in the Old Testament before I translated you to heaven, and I want you to go down and strengthen the Son of Man, because in his humanity, he, he's going to say, Father, let this cup pass from me if it be possible. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So you can imagine that wherever heaven is, and I believe heaven's a place, don't you? And Moses and Elijah have been up there for a mighty long time and having a ball. So all of a sudden they just come and they have to assume some sort of a body because Peter, James and John recognized them and they didn't have pictures or videos in those days, so how'd they know them? And so here Moses and Elijah coming from, wow, this is powerful, this would make a good movie, wouldn't it, eh? Here they're coming from the glory world, out of space. Men from another planet. <laughs> Star Wars. The planet is heaven. And so they come winging through and all of a sudden they land on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here's Peter, James and John looking at them. Here's Jesus. And here's the Shekinah glory cloud overshadowing. And what do you think these guys are going to talk about? Moses could have said, how's things in Jerusalem lately? Well, pretty tough. Things have changed. Moses could have said, well, I have the tabernacle, you go to the temple. Elijah could have said, how's things down there in Jerusalem? Well, there's no prophets around, we killed all of them. Oh, well, I'm going back to heaven, goodbye. No, what did they do? Listen to verse 30 and 32. And behold, there talked with him two men, who, uh, uh, which were Moses and Elijah, who spake who appeared in glory and spake, spoke unto him of his decease, which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. The title I want on the tape this morning is He's Accomplishing Death. 
They spake of his decease, which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. The, uh, the, the, the Greek word for decease is actually is exodus. They spoke of his exodus, his death, his departure, his exit from this life. They spoke of it. Now, can you imagine what Moses said? I just do this because, go over to Matthew chapter 5, just for a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 11. So Moses and Elijah, of all the things they're going to talk to Jesus about, they're going to talk to him about his death, about his exodus, about his departure, about his exit from this life through death on the cross. They're going to talk to him. So what do you think Moses and what do you think Elijah said? Matthew chapter 5, listen to Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law, Moses, or the prophets, Elijah. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The law is Moses, the prophets, Elijah. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. So the law and the prophets. Go to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 13. Matthew 11, verse 13. Another powerful verse here, Matthew 11 and verse 13. For all the prophets represented in Elijah and the law represented in Moses prophesied until John. And when John came, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here we see how Jesus brings the law and the prophets together continually. And now here Moses the law and Elijah the prophets. So what would you think Moses would talk to Jesus about? This is the type of thing I think Moses was talking because they're talking about his decease, his exodus, his departure, his death, his exit from this life which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And I can hear Moses saying, Master, when I was back under the law there, on the Mount of Sinai, you gave me the revelation of the tabernacle. You gave me the revelation of the Passover. And way back there in Israel's history, when they killed the Passover lamb, and the blood was sprinkled on the door, and they fed upon the body, and that was the means of their deliverance. And Master, do you remember when you gave me the revelation of the five offerings, the burnt offering and the peace offering, the, and the, uh, the meal offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering? Do you remember those offerings? And how every day there had to be the offerings on the altar and, and the bodies and blood of sacrificial victims were flowing on Israel's altar. Master, do you remember the day when you told Aaron that only once a year could he enter within the veil on the great day of atonement? And it was to take the blood and sprinkle it with on the mercy seat seven times. Master, you've got to fulfill those things. All those things pointed to your death. All those animal deaths pointed to your death. You have to be the Passover lamb. You have to be our high priest. You have to enter within the veil in the heavenly sanctuary on the great day of atonement. You have to sprinkle your blood on the mercy seat. You have to have those five wounds and fulfill those five offerings. Master, do you remember Numbers 19? when the red heifer was sacrificed and the blood and the waters of purification were there and the cleansing of the leper. And I can hear Moses speaking to him of his death and say, Master, all these things were symbols. They were prophetic shadows. The law prophesied. The prophets prophesied. And you're the fulfillment of it all. Strengthening Jesus in his humanity. And I can just hear Moses going through those things. You've got to enter within the veil. Mo uh, Master, do you remember about the kinsman redeemer? 
You have to be our kinsman redeemer. There is no other good enough to pay the price of sin. You only can unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And I can just hear Moses going through all those things. What do you think Elijah said to him? Elijah, I can hear Elijah saying, Master, I represent the prophets. And the prophets are completed now. Right through to Malachi. And remember the prophecy of Isaiah that you would be born of a virgin and how you fulfill that. Remember the prophecy of Isaiah where your kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom and unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Master, that's you. These are the prophecies all foretelling. Master, do you remember the 70-week prophecy? Messiah will be cut off in the midst of the week. And you have to be cut off for the transgression of my people. And I could hear Isaiah just going through prophecy after prophecy. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53, which I think is the master of all prophecies. And I can imagine Moses and Elijah strengthening Jesus in his humanity. Can you imagine Isaiah? As Elijah just reminds Jesus, Isaiah 53, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up as before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not, Master, you remember Isaiah 53 and verse 4? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And I can hear Moses and Elijah as they spake to him of his decease, saying, Master, all these prophecies must be fulfilled. All these symbolic deaths and these animal deaths and all these shadows and symbols and types under the law and the prophets, they all prophesied, and you're the fulfillment of them. And I believe they would remind Jesus, the Master, and strengthen in his humanity. Because in his humanity, he shrunk from the cross, as any of us would. And we see that in Gethsemane when he said, Master, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And see, this morning we can partake of a cup of blessing. He took up the cup of cursing. Let me just finish with this. Millions upon millions of deaths have taken place since Adam. Yet all the deaths in the world combined, as sad and grievous as they are, cannot compare with the death of Christ. His death is incomparable. It's unique. Everybody else, all of us, if we die, we die because the wages of sin is death. And the fact that everybody still dies until the last enemy to be destroyed is death, in sin, he died for sin. And you can take the billions of deaths of this world and none of them can compare with the death that we're remembering this morning. You just think on November the 11th at the 11th day, on the 11th month at the 11th hour, they ask Australians to just stand still in silence for two minutes and remember all the deaths of those who have died of relatives and friends in war years. Saints, we bow our heads and our hearts this morning and remember 
the unique death. The death of deaths. I used to compose poetry a long time ago and one of the verses I wrote was this. Could all the worldwide suffering compare with that of thine forsaken by the Father made sin in wrath divine when deaths untold unnumbered upon that cross you died and paradise was opened by Jesus crucified. His death was not an accident it was an accomplishment. His death was not an accident but an accomplishment. And so today we have special emphasis on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. His burial over the weekend, over these three days and three nights. Sunday we come with a triumphant note of resurrection. Everybody said amen. amen. How many think that that's what Moses and Elijah talked to Jesus about, strengthening him? I'd like my wife to come at this time just before we come to communion. And I'd like you to just listen to the words of this beautiful hymn, or beautiful so song, pardon me. I stood one day at Calvary. And just think of the words as we are remembering his death today. Thank you, dear.
We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Please visit kevinconnor.org for further information.